0: Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for giving the show a listen this week, a download. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube, are you? Hmm, I don't know. The bottom line is that we appreciate the fact that you are here. Today's show has the skinny on kids, which unfortunately isn't really skinny at all. We've had a number of studies in recent years show that for the first time in generations, children are not expected to live longer than their parents. Perhaps, really, that should come as no surprise as the rate of childhood obesity has more than tripled over the last half century. And what researchers are discovering is that as more and more children are becoming overweight, they're also finding, and I quote, Relatively advanced levels of atherosclerosis, including fibrous plaques in adolescents and young adults. But it doesn't stop there. They're also finding elevated cholesterol levels and an increasing number of children with type 2 diabetes, as well as high blood pressure. And that last one. That last one. I was one of those children. Growing up, my diet was the standard American diet, only worse. I was close to 300 pounds before I graduated high school. And years before that, even doctors put me on medication because my blood pressure was somewhere in the ballpark of 180 or 190 over 110. And that was the norm. That was the norm, even for a couple of years before that. The thing is, I remember being so angry The day that I got that prescription, I knew in my heart that the doctor was right, but I just wasn't ready to admit it. So I took the who are you to tell me what I need approach. Didn't change up my diet one little bit. Didn't really even take the pills like the prescription called for. As a result, my blood pressure didn't change much. It wasn't until after I lost the weight that it came down. And then after I switched to a plant-based diet, man, it really came down. It came down so far. Like today, it's right around 100 over 60. That's a huge drop from where I was. But that's just one example. There are millions of children out there today who have hypertension, who have those levels. Millions of them. And there is a direct correlation in many of these cases between what they eat and those numbers let's connect the dots even further when you think about children you also think about what school and what do they serve at school lunch and in the majority of places this lunch is anything but brain food we're talking about pizza and hamburgers and sloppy joe fried chicken milk and if you're lucky a cup of fruit With the exception of the last two, and milk, as we know, has its own set of problems, even if it's skim milk. But with the exception of the last two, we're talking about a ton of fat. So could school lunches be contributing to the rise in childhood obesity? It's a good place to start. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with dietitian Maggie Neola. There is some exciting legislation working its way through the system in both California and New York that would require school districts to offer plant-based options in their lunch lines. Maggie's going to be giving us an update on those proposals and also talk about how some schools, they're not even waiting for that to become law. They've been plant-based for some time already or are offering plant-based options and the kids are eating it up. I mean, they are eating it up, literally and figuratively. They absolutely love it. So what effect is this having on their health? And what effect is it having on their grades? That's, that's a good question. We're going to be getting into all of that. And we're going to tell you, yes, you, how you can help push those bills through because we need your help to make it happen then we're going to welcome Audrey Dunham to the show. If you're not familiar with Audrey, really, you should be. She is a woman who wears many hats. Many, 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 many hats. From being a mother, to a baker, to a fitness competitor, to a trainer, to being an entrepreneur. It's exhausting just saying that. But Audrey also just so happens to be married to famed ventriloquist Jeff Dunham, Fun fact, his popular character, Peanuts, is the inspiration for Audrey's line of plant-based treats, which we're also going to be talking about. And check this out. Listen up, especially if you're a parent. She's also going to be sharing some tips and tricks about raising her own children on a plant-based diet and chronicle her own physical struggles as a fitness competitor that led her to adopt a plant-based diet in the first place a big old show today a big 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 show everything on tap and this one this one is for the future generation you ready let's go Rolling right along here on the Exameroon Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the Weight Loss Champion, Chuck Carroll. Today's show is a really important topic. You know, I was overweight as a child growing up, severely overweight, and certainly indulged in school lunches all the time. Healthy food in that lunch line was scarce. Healthy lunches, few and far between, and that is why we are doing our best to improve the quality of school lunches for children across the country. And we have made great strides in both California and New York. And here to give us an update on where things stand with our progress with school lunches is dietitian from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, Maggie Neola. Welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you, Chuck.
0: And this is a project that you have kind of taken on. This one is near and dear to your heart, right?
1: It's been a team effort, and yes, it's very exciting to see the progress, and I've learned a lot in
0: the process. So, Like what? What have you learned?
1: I've learned a lot about legislation. It takes time. It needs collaboration. Um, you have to give people what they want to know, like what they need to hear, if they need to know about the budget, if they need to know about the health aspects. You have to you have to be able to communicate what's important for them to know in order to support the bill.
0: You feel like kind of uh, you've surpassed that old schoolhouse rock cartoon. I'm just a bill on the hill or whatever. Do You remember that back in the day? Not really. Known. Oh, Maggie, come on. Don't let me down. I think I only saw it once. Oh, it's Maggie. No, Schoolhouse Rock. Come on. That was a classic. Uh, so here we go. We, we do have bills in both California and New York. And I understand that uh, the California one has been quite active recently. So mm-hmm. where do things actually stand right now?
1: It passed in the Assembly and is now in the Senate. Um, so it has to pass both houses in order for it to become law. Course has to be signed by the governor too. Um, so recently it did pass in the assembly, and right now um, there's a hearing coming up with the Senate Education Committee, and then they have to look at the budget and all that good stuff to see if they can fund it.
0: Now, what exactly would this bill do?
1: So, this bill would give schools uh, reimbursement for every plant based meal, like 100% plant based meal that they serve, and reimbursement for every non dairy milk that they serve, which for schools it's pretty specific which kinds of non-dairy milks they can serve. Uh, Mm. It has to be accredited based on the nutrient composition. So soy milk is one of them, um, but it's not like you can just pick up any non-dairy milk from the store and and use that. It has to be within the system.
0: So when you say reimbursement, does that mean that the state would quite literally reimburse the school for Mm -hmm. the cost of that much?
1: Yeah. So it's a certain number of cents per meal and per uh, non-dairy milk that's served per carton. And the schools have to have to apply for this. Uh, there's also money for training staff on how to prepare these meals, um, and just some of the uh, startup costs for uh, participating in this program.
0: Making the change. I know when it comes to hospitals, uh, there has been at least one hospital group that has come out and said that they could save thousands and thousands of dollars if they actually switched over to plant-based meals i don't know if you guys have crunched the numbers here for schools as well but Mm. i would think if it applies there it would apply here as well
1: it can yeah school lunch is a little bit different in terms of budgeting uh for a variety of reasons but um Especially schools that are doing more scratch cooking and sourcing locally and taking advantage of, you know, maybe local grants as well uh, makes their lives a lot easier. But overall, like, it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, beans, for example, are going to be cheaper than typical meats on a menu. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can compare it that way. It just kind of depends on the, the ability of the staff to procure their food and cook it from scratch can make it cheaper which is true across the board really like if you want to make your own meal buy a frozen meal versus make it yourself you're probably saving money making it
0: yourself scratch cooking that is a true lunch lady then right (laughs) yeah i mean man that's uh that's quite the undertaking my Mm -hmm. grandma by the by was a lunch lady so i have all the respect in the world for, for the fine women that help us through the, the lunch line. Uh, what about the New York bill? Let's pivot there and talk a little bit about that. I know that uh, things are kind of at a holding point there maybe, but where do things stand right now in New York?
1: Yeah, so that bill is still has to pass in the Assembly, and then it would go to the Senate. So it's not as far along. Um, they have a different timeline for how long they review bills in their government. So they are going on recess essentially for about six months, legislators do, mm. which means that the bill is sort of on hold um, from July until January. But still like you can still meet with your legislators and talk to them about it. Well, maybe not their legislators, but um, you can try and gain information uh, to then approach them later. So you can do your research in that time um, so that when they come back in session, you can really – you know, give them all the data that they need so they can make an informed
0: decision. And what uh, would the New York bill do? Is it very similar to California? What are the differences? It's a little
1: different. Uh, with the New York bill, it basically allows any student to request a plant-based option and be able to get that. So it's, it's a requirement that schools will be able to offer that upon request to, to the students. Um, right now, there isn't any funding behind it. Um, but uh, Every state and district is different in how they can save money and procure food. So we're really trying to look at how we can make it most affordable for New York schools to be able to do this. Um, And ideally, it would be cost neutral or cost savings.
0: Now, that's statewide in New York. I know Mm -hmm. in New York City, they've already made great strides. I mean, you you have a a big friend in the plant based movement in Eric Adams, the Brooklyn borough president. And I know uh, the public schools in New York are, are, I think they're all participating in Meatless Monday now?
1: Yeah, so this coming school year, they'll be like in the fall 2019 or that we're at. Yep, fall 2019. Um, They'll be doing Meatless Mondays across New York City public schools. Uh, And then there are four fully vegetarian schools already with more coming. So that's, that's outstanding really great.
0: That's outstanding. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of when I was in high school. And I think I was a senior when they finally put in a line specifically for salad. Mm-hmm. And that was by far and away the longest line oh, good. in the cafeteria.
1: That's awesome.
0: You know, so you had like five other lines that were your traditional school fare, And then, mm-hmm. you know, your your fruits and your vegetables. And kids were lining up out the door for that. And it was just like... I kind of cocked huh. my head, and that was that was a head-scratcher, man. But, yeah. like, I, I'm thinking, you know, now mm-hmm. I think kids are even a little bit more health-conscious, by and large. So mm-hmm. I have high hopes for this.
1: I do, too. I think kids will surprise you. And the more that you do taste testings or involve them in, per, you know, figuring out the recipes for their program, the more likely you have the student buy-in. So
0: Now... Uh, I think that kids are, by and large, as I said, more aware of nutrition these days, but nonetheless, obesity rates continue to climb. And Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the prevalence of obesity? Uh, We'll start in California.
1: Yeah, Uh, so it's interesting because you can also look at the correlation between how much fruit and vegetables that they're eating Mm. um i believe it's in california where 70 percent of students are not eating the recommended number of fruits and vegetables in a a given day um so you can see that the obesity would go up with that um which isn't a good thing because we know that fruits and vegetables help with maintaining a healthy weight Uh, so that's why it's really important to not only have them on the menu but in nutrition education in the classroom as well and after school programs Uh, which is like it's happening, but there needs to be more um, in order to build that awareness. But um, right now, it looks like more than four out of every 10 California adolescents are either overweight or obese. Mm. So that's a a significant amount for California.
0: That is a healthy amount. And you know, the the danger there is that if you're overweight as a child, that obesity will carry over into adulthood. And Mm -hmm. then you're leaving yourself wide open for the risk of contracting heart disease cancer i mean so many different ailments so uh, really kind of important to get kids on that fruit and veggie train early in life mm-hmm. um, what about uh, over in new york i know in the city yeah. they're still a little bit more health conscious but i'm sure that there's still a lot of work to do
1: yeah it looks like about a third are either overweight or obese mm. for new york's children mm. so it's still it's still not great <laughs>
0: You know one of the things Maggie that I found particularly alarming when we talk about the health of children overall is that this report that came out uh, a couple of years ago now that said that if things didn't change this would be the first generation whose life expectancy was less mm-hmm. than their parents that's really eye opening mm-hmm. that's alarming mm-hmm. big time
1: Yeah absolutely so we need we need to see change happen and I'm really encouraged by both of these bills, and I think that, t- you know, sets the precedents for other states to do something. Um, and even on the federal level, if we can see both New York and California um, you know, enforcing bill and enacting bills, um, then it's way more likely to-, to see something change on the federal level.
0: Now... Uh- as is the case in New York City, where we've seen some early adopters, there are some school districts in California that are already on board with this, right? mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few. Um, Santa Barbara Unified District, San Francisco, Oakland Unified, San Diego, um, LAUSD. That's another one. There's, there's Capistrano. Uh, there's quite a few that are already serving plant-based options. And... Um, Uh, santa barbara in particular they also don't have any processed meats on their menu so that's another big um big thing for california to lead the way in that change um but yeah it's it's pretty exciting to see the the schools that are already doing something and if we can again give them funding um for them to expand that and other schools to start too then that makes a big impact
0: God, no processed meats. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely huge.
1: Yeah, it's been almost a year now for yeah. them to do that.
0: Good for them. So. Um, I- I'm curious, has there been any research done that um, shows how a plant-based diet could affect the students' academic performance? Has there been any data to support that mm-hmm. one way or the other? That's a
1: good question. Um, there is a school in New York City. So the first one that went fully vegetarian, it's the active learning elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and their principal reported. I don't know if they have an official research study, but just showing that um, kids are you know, asking for more fruits and vegetables even at home, um, that their academic performance has improved uh, energy. So it, it seems like, you know, they're noticing that in their school. The attendance is better. I believe the CDC also has some information on their website about how just, again, getting enough of these fruits and vegetables can improve the students on the academic level, too.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the study that I was thinking of. And I think that they said that if a student wasn't getting adequate nutrition, their grades were lower, then Mm -hmm. they saw higher rates of absenteeism and things of that nature. Yeah,
1: I think that also might be true, too, if they're not getting breakfast um, because their energy levels are just draining throughout the day. Um, So a lot of schools are pushing breakfast as well.
0: Uh, Yeah, you're a dietitian. How important is breakfast? Is it truly the most important meal of the day?
1: Oh, gosh, I feel like you put me in the hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it is, um, but I'm sure you can find studies that say otherwise. But.
0: So can you give us an idea of what these plant-based meals might look like? Or Are we talking about salads all the time, or what are we talking about Mm-mm. here?
1: There's some really good ones out there. Um, you know, on a very basic level, an easy thing to add in is hummus, and then, you know, pairing that with vegetables and pita bread, for example. It depends on if the school requires that you have, like, three food components, like three different food groups versus all five, um, but... If it's just the three, then something like carrots and pita bread and hummus would be would suffice for being reimbursable. Um, but of course, you can get more than that. It doesn't have to be just three things. They can get fruit with that and soy milk as well. Um, so that's one very simple way to add it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to make it more interesting, which there are you know plenty of other ones. There's stir fries and um, Tuscan tomato pies and pasta fagioli. Like there's there's so many great things out there. Uh, powered up chickpea pasta. Um, I'm blanking out some other ones. If you do any mock meats, there's like mock meatball subs that some people are using through like Hungry Planet, for example, in Santa Barbara. Uh, there's black bean chilies. So there's quite a few out there. Our website actually has a good number of recipes from schools that are already um, serving plant based options. Some even from D.C. Central Kitchen here. Mm. Uh, so that's really great. Uh, so, yeah, our, our website has a ton of them, um, but there's plenty of other great recipes out there.
0: That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Those kids are <laughs> – they're not going to go hungry. I mean, shoot, you, you made me hungry just talking about that. I mean, <laughs> pasta fajo, you know, <laughs> powered up – what did you call it? Powered up chickpea pasta? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty righteous, you know?
1: Yeah, well, kids, they like the names, so you have to have something that's going to spark their attention too.
0: Yeah. You know, my wife had this idea. Uh, she thinks that kids would really across the country get on board with this if there were like cartoons to accompany it and you made you know fruits Aww. and vegetables kind of superheroes yes. and that's you know she also proposed like maybe a modern schoolhouse rock kind of a cartoon to <laughs> you know really set this whole marketing campaign in motion oh I like that I know She's right she 's super creative, <laughs> you know her
1: I do yeah I
0: know i 'll give her a free plug at the Julie Wright on Twitter and Instagram uh, so. Anyway, um, the website that you mentioned, there are a couple of ways that people can get involved. If they live in California and New York, they yes. want to contact their their legislators. legislators. Mm-hmm. Uh, that website is
1: HealthySchoolLunches.org. dot org. Okay. yes, it is lunches, plural. Um, So
0: (laughs) good distinction. Good to know.
1: Yes. Um, So there are some action alerts that you can click on at the top of the page and, um, you know, be able to contact your legislator and encourage them to support the bill.
0: That's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't really see a downside to any of this. I mean, you're talking about. Lowering the risk of diseases, not just now, but certainly, mm-hmm. you know, later in life, you know, I've, yeah. I've often told the story on the show about how I was a junior in high school, 15 years old, uh, maybe even a sophomore mm-hmm. uh, when I first went on blood pressure medication, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, my story is not unique, mm-hmm. you know, there's not. Thousands and thousands of kids who are in the same boat, yeah. and I just wonder, you know, if these plant-based options were available to me at a younger age, mm-hmm. if that was even on my radar, how differently things would have turned out.
1: Most definitely, they would be different. It it impacts the trajectory of your health and so many other parts of your life. So, right. if we can get that earlier on, that would be fantastic. So we have. Less
0: chronic disease later on. Maybe I would have been a better student too. (laughs) I was a different man. I was I was definitely at the high end of the absenteeism. Uh and um you know, I just I almost wish that I could get a mulligan when it comes to academics. I really do. Hmm. A do over. You know? Yeah. I was just just a different guy. Just a different guy. It's in
1: your past. But um you know the other thing too I wanted to add is that Uh, With plant-based meals, they're higher in fiber, which helps students feel full longer. Mm -hmm. So again, we don't want kids to be hungry in school. We want them to be satisfied and be able to focus in their classes. So it's another plug for plant-based foods.
0: I would imagine that you would also kind of lower the um, rate of that afternoon crash that mm-hmm. the kids have you know that for us it was seventh period was the final period and like we were just walking around like zombies at that oh, point man. completely zonked out yeah you know a lot of it had to do probably with the pizza or cheesesteak or whatever it was that we were eating at lunch that day yep. this this could probably change a thing or two i
1: think it could mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: you're onto <something>. all right <laughs> healthy org is the website to go to stay tuned uh, lots of movement on the california bill if you live in california i would highly encourage you to get on that and contact your legislator definitely sooner rather than later and by sooner i mean hit pause right now and go do that healthy school and stay tuned for big things that are happening up in new york thank you very much maggie neola it's a pleasure to have you here as always thank you very much as a reminder we've put the link for new york residents up on healthy school And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can also find it in the show notes for this episode. You're really just one click away from making your voice heard. Quick favor to ask, if you're listening to the show on your web browser, please take a second, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you download your favorite podcast from, go there and subscribe to the exam room by the Physicians Committee. We have had so many new listeners recently, and we cannot thank you enough. And we want to keep seeing those numbers go up because the more people listen, the more people will learn about this potentially life-saving information. The power of the food on your plate cannot be overstated. And the science that we talk about on the exam room, it is fascinating. It is important. And most importantly, it can also help you live a longer and healthier life. So if you haven't already done so, please go ahead and subscribe. And when you do leave a five-star rating and a nice comment, if you would be so kind, that way we can continue to spread the message and bonus points, my friend bonus points to you. If you share it with a friend or family member. Now, then before we move on, I want to share with you a PSA of a different variety. A while back, did an episode with Lee Crosby called Being Vegan on a Budget. She and I went down to the store. We loaded up enough groceries for two people for an entire week for just over $40. Crazy impressive, right? Something we should all strive for. But my wife and I, were just not quite at that level yet we still buy fruit that's been pre-cut. We knew we'd be paying more, but we didn't know how much more we'd be paying until this past weekend. We decided to find out. Now, Julie and I, we are pineapple people. We love that sweet, sweet pineapple. Typically, we pay about $7 for a single container. And that container maybe about a pound, pound and a half of pineapple. Now then, An actual pineapple cost $3. I didn't know how much fruit I could get from just one pineapple, so I bought two of them. I figured, well, you know, two pineapples is $6. It's still cheaper than that one container for $7. So I come home and I cut up the pineapples. And what do I find out? The two of those pineapples. The two of them that I bought for the $6 gave us twice as much as the one container of pre-cut pineapple that was $7, twice as much. Our bowl runneth over with that sweet, sweet pineapple deliciousness. So I just wanted to put that out there for you. Because if you have kids, you know how expensive it can be to raise them. So that's an easy way to save. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Less than half the cost for twice the fruit. Good deals. Moving right along. Next up in the exam room is the wonderfully talented Renaissance woman, Audrey Dunham. She is really a little bit of everything as you're about to find out, including including a mother who was raising her children on a plant-based diet. And she's also a wife to someone who's pretty famous. But hey. She's pretty well-known herself. And I'm telling you right now, once you have tried her recipes, you're going to want her autograph too. So here she is with some tips and some tricks for kids and also her own struggles that led her to a plant-based diet in the first place. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the Weight Loss Champion, Chuck Carroll. I'm really excited about our next guest. She is somebody that I've been trying to get on the show for months now. And finally, our schedules have linked up. Our timing has been compatible, and with that, we welcome to the show, she is, I mean, get this, this is, this is just a, a mouthful here. She is certified in plant-based nutrition. She's a former fitness competitor. She's an expert in sports nutrition. She's a mom of twin three-year-old boys who are plant-based. She's a baker uh, or maybe a candlestick maker. I, I don't know, uh, but Audrey Dunham, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here.
2: Oh, it's wonderful being here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, It is absolutely my pleasure and, uh, you know, kind of having fun with that title, your intro there, but you really (laughs) – you are a well-rounded individual, I will tell you that.
2: Gosh. Well, thanks. I definitely keep busy, that's for sure.
0: Uh, No kidding. Um, Let's start with this. This is – we we've talked a lot about how parents are raising plant based kids, and uh, we had some people write in, and and they're still curious even after we've you know talked about this on the show in the past about you know how can I possibly raise my child plant based? Are they getting everything that they need? You have twins, and you right. are somebody who's studied this extensively. Talk to me about what what it is that you're feeding them and and do you have any concerns about making sure that they get all of the macro and micronutrients and everything that they need
2: oh sure well in the beginning i was i was just a, a nervous parent in general right when my boys were born not only was i a first time mom but i was a, a, now responsible for two human beings not just one and mm. so i overthought everything it seems like and and uh it, it's it's really interesting i was I was becoming more and more involved in the plant-based uh, community right about the time they were born and um, and was doing the research, dabbling in it here and there. And then when they were away from... Uh Uh, like the formula and the breast milk and that sort of thing. Um, We did a combination of both just because my body couldn't produce enough breast milk. And so I did the best that I could. And and that's always, you know, the great thing that mothers, um, sometimes they have to do. They just do the best they can. And and (laughs) I think that's fine. But um, that's a whole other topic we can get into on another day. But eventually it came time for them to be eating solid foods. Mm -hmm. And I needed to make the decision what would be best for them. And I knew first and foremost that, of course, vegetables and fruit would be a high, high priority. But then, of course, I started thinking, well, gosh, everybody says that kids need dairy what's the deal with that is it really truly important what would they be missing out on if they didn't i just started to second guess everything that i thought i knew because of the paradigm everybody believes that these are the foods that kids need and every snack out there for a child is yogurt or a cheese stick or has some sort of dairy in it and everybody believes truly that's the best thing for kids a lot of people really really feel that way and um I started to realize that that wasn't the case the more and more research that I did, and that there there's nothing different necessarily about kids versus adults what the needs are um, and and that's that's what a lot of parents have a hard time um, understanding the only thing that you want to make sure that kids get are more dense calories so you want to make sure that they get the avocado the sweet potato the whole grains and make sure that they fill up on those denser calories versus just a ton of vegetables or just a ton of fruit only um those absorb very very quickly and they're more likely to get hungrier faster with just those types of foods so you want to make a nice combination of the nice whole grain um starchy foods sweet potatoes um regular potatoes um and also um, the high-quality fats. So not only do we do, do avocado, but we also do the nut butters and nuts. Um, so in the beginning, of course, it was all purees, and so I did some fun combinations. And what's uh, important for parents to realize is that kids don't know anything else. All they know in the beginning is what you introduce to them. So they, right. they can't compare these purees or these foods with anything else because they haven't had anything else. So the idea that the um, that the chicken nuggets or the French fries or quesadillas or the pizza is is what kids want, um, that's just because that's what the restaurants and society has told us. That's what they're going to want. <laughs> and a parent always feels good when their kid gobbles all their food and they eat a ton of food. That makes them feel like, okay, I'm taking care of my kid. They're well fed. Um, but that's that's truly uh, you know some of the worst stuff that we can give our kids, as we know. Um As you and I know, and um, the the vegetable dense foods, um, um, vegetable dense meals, I should say, and um, the whole foods are just just like adults um, are the very, very best foods that your kids could possibly be eating. Um, so in the beginning, what I started with with my toddler boys, I started by putting some frozen peas and corn and carrots on their high chairs, and they absolutely love them. So that was their very first introduction to vegetables. Along with, of course, those purees as I mentioned, with you know, pureeing some apple and some broccoli and some banana, um, and I think also what's important is introducing your kid to avocado right off the bat, um, getting them used to that flavor so that they'll be sure to eat that. That's a really great high-quality food for a very active um, young human. <laughs> uh, so, so I, my kids love it, and and um, and so getting them introduced to those foods right off the bat. Even if you have to mix the avocado with some banana in the beginning just to make it a little bit sweeter and palatable um, or even add a little bit of salt, a tiny bit of salt to the avocado just to make it a little bit more enticing, it, um, I think that really helps to um, get them um, motivated to eat it and then, then from there you're good to go. Um, but for parents who possibly don't have um, kids that are eating this way right now, you feel like it's too late, it actually is not. Um, I have parents that I know who have kids it's so amazing to me. They, they feel like they their kids need the mac and cheese, so they'll order the mac and cheese um, right there sitting next to me in the restaurant, and then it'll come with a side of broccoli. And I will watch these kids devour the broccoli and totally dismiss or ignore the mac and cheese. Get out of town. Yeah, I've seen it and and they'll even come over when I'm feeding my kids and and with their little kids and they'll see that they have the frozen peas on their tray and they'll start reaching for the peas off my kids' plates. Wow. And, and then the parents are shocked and it, it they really they they don't know that green vegetables are supposed to be um gross. <laughs> you know, they don't they honestly don't have those feelings because um they learn that from parents or you know, from other people. So if we tell them that those things are great, um, then, then they'll learn from that. Or if you can just try putting it in front of them to see what they do. And usually parents are shocked because they they, they never thought in a million years their kids would eat this way. Um, and then, then, of course, your par- your kids will want to eat what you eat. So if you, if you start eating more vegetables and fruit and whole grains and beans, the more likely they are um, to eat them as well. They're going to want to copy you because um, plant-based foods are so colorful. Sure. They're just drawn to those foods. Sure. So... You, anyway, there's the a long, a long answer for you.
0: <laughs> are you worried at all about when they go out of the house or, you know, they go play at a friend's house, the snacks and things that are going to be available there that aren't necessarily something that you would be serving in your house? How do you oh, work yeah. around that?
2: Of course. Yes, of course. Um, I think that... I think the best thing you can do right now, they're in preschool. They go three days a week, and they provide the snacks for the kids. Um, and, and, and after I heard what the snacks were, I said, you know what? I'm going to have my kids bring their own. <laughs> and <laughs> and so I just, you know, I packed some um, uh baby carrots with sliced apple, they love that. Um, you know, And if I'm ever in a pinch, there's some amazing organic little kids' fruit snacks out there. If you look at the ingredients, as long as there's um, a little bit of fiber in there, not um, any added sugar, then I'm usually cool with using those every once in a while. Because sure. um, I know a lot of parents, they feel you know, they're too busy to, to prep all the stuff. There actually are some really good options in grocery stores um, if you just take the time to look at the label and the ingredients and uh, make sure there's a little bit of fiber in these things and it's usually um, there. there's people out there making a lot of great products out there these days which is great but when as far as heading out with their friends um, going to their friends houses it's I think it's really important that once um, they're old enough to understand if you can tell them the reasons why why we eat this way then they have um, then they're more likely to want to stick to um, the way that we eat I, sure. I truly feel it, it all comes down to the why um, it's gonna be a little challenging. I'm I'm totally up for it. When they're five, um, four and they're and they're hanging out uh with other kids. Um um communication is important. I'll talk to the parents of course. Um but I've been warned, you know, expect some pressure and some, a lot of questions, and, and I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to be able to answer any question um, or concern. Other than that, my plan is to have as many kids come over here as possible. Ah, uh, wise <laughs> now, move.
0: You, you're going to have to be the cool mom. You know, every every <laughs> yeah. every school has that one kid whose parents are just, like, incredible, and everybody wants to go hang at their house. For me, we were always at my friend Alex Bigelow's house. Why? Not because right. Alex was a great guy, which he absolutely was, but it was was because Mr. and Mrs. Bigelow, like, they never grew up themselves. They both had Peter Pan complexes, and that was oh, the it. house to be at. So, Right. That's yes, my my advice. husband has
2: that complex, too. That's exactly <laughs> what I say. He's like, Peter Pan, he never grows up. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, and then even for parents out there who are plant-based, and, and they thought, well, gosh, I'm not the coolest house in the household, um, one idea is to have something really delicious waiting. So maybe some um some vegan cookies or something fun like that or maybe you entice them with um like a big batch of homemade popcorn, whatever it is, um, so that you can try and lure them over and then if if those kids are introduced to these vegan or plant based foods, then all the better, right? They can go home and tell mom about it.
0: Sure, sure. And so. it, you know, it's like you said, the kids they go for the broccoli first and everybody's surprised. Um Right. Right. You know, the, the other thing that I, I found and what studies have shown, actually with some schools around here, um, is they found that if they get involved, children do, in planning like a, like a classroom garden, you know, they're going to be yeah. more inclined to want to then pick those fruits, those vegetables, whatever it is that they're growing, and then make something out of that. And that's how they really right. get introduced to it. And it seems so oh, simple yeah. on the surface, but it works so effectively. It's unbelievable.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great point, absolutely. Even if you have a tiny little square, you know, tiny backyard, you have a little bit of square footage, you can dedicate it to growing something, even if yep. it's just some herbs and you add yep. those to a dish. That's a great point, absolutely, that's, that's and then it, it connects kids to nature.
0: You can even grow so. tomatoes in your kitchen. They've got those hanging vines, you know, they're, they're right there. That's fine. So um, it's, it's really easy to do. I want to go back before uh, we we switch gears a little bit to what you were talking about as far as making the baby food. Uh, full confession: When you were talking about the pureed stuff, that actually didn't sound too bad to me. I'm like, you know what? That's pretty good. Oh,
2: I know. You know. I tested. I taste tested everything to make sure that I would like it. If I had to make sure that I liked it first, and um, and it's funny. You don't have to get the fancy gear, or the, you know, the, the equipment, or anything. I mean, honestly, just any blender will do. And mm-hmm. you make it in big batches, and and they don't eat much, so it lasts a long time. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. I mean, I think as long as you have um it, it, It's interesting how even adding some spices just a minimal little bit of, of um, uh, um, some spices can actually um, you don't want to blow away your kid of course but if, <laughs> if it makes the food taste a little bit better if you just do' it like a like a um, an all vegetable puree yeah um, ha- adding a little bit you'd, you'd be really surprised how kids will gobble this stuff up as long as you know as long as the flavors there. Sure. Um, and you just have to give your kids the benefit of the doubt. Just give it a shot. Um, whether they're babies or they're toddlers or they're grown kids, don't act like it's something gross. Don't tell them, hey, I don't think you're going to like this, but try it. Just Put it out there and and um, make it as beautiful looking as possible um, for the older kids and the toddlers. And it usually goes a long
0: way. So we're talking about your children here who are now three, but what about when you were a child, did you grow up being raised plant based or were you eating the traditional American diet?
2: Oh one hundred percent standard American diet there you it go. was but my mom truly did what she thought was best. She thought that doing the turkey hot dogs was the healthier way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, she, she didn't want to do beef every day. So when I had beef every other day, I mean, it was either a hamburger night or it wasn't. And so it, I remember her trying to plan out the meals and then there was always a vegetable on the table and then always a gallon of milk on the table because that's what she really believed was the healthiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, and it wasn't until, gosh, I started to get interested in health in my junior high years, um, mainly just because I was hearing the other girls talking about, wanting to lose weight which is a whole nother crazy topic in junior high
0: wanting to to lose weight Mm.
2: oh it was it was i think back and i mean i look at pictures of all of us and we're all so tiny and and (laughs) and, uh, some of us hadn't even gone through puberty yet it was just ridiculous in it and um so i think that i'll be definitely communicating with my kids um as they approach those years and making sure that um that everybody's feeling comfortable on that um and that there's no uh i mean with boys i think it's a little different but it, sure. and the pressures are are not as, as intense as they are with girls but we'll be keeping those lines of communication just so that they don't even get those thoughts in their head sure. <laughs> and sure. um teaching them how to stay active too and and uh um junior high, um, I, I started experimenting with dieting. I remember my, me and my friends wanting to um, um, try extreme diets where we only ate two pieces of fruit and some crackers each day. It just, oh, that's um, not I mean, it, yeah, they didn't really usually last very long because we would eventually get super hungry and, and just throw in the towel. But I remember that's when it all started, that talk. And um, life really shifted for me then. It was like you lost like a little bit of your you in, in a sense, if you will your the simplicity of life, the happiness in life mm-hmm. once you start getting obsessed with food and body image um it, it's really hard to get out of it it's um and it's interesting because if if we can hold on to our natural instincts when we're when we're babies of of eat when you 're hungry, stop when you're almost full like 80 percent or so that's what babies and kids do small kids um and then stick to the purest most natural foods um, found in nature um um it's it's tricky because a lot of junior high and high school kids are drawn to the foods that are addicting so it's the sugar the high fat the high salt which can um really mess with your um, ability to be able to tell when you're really hungry or really full um and so uh Um, it was, you know, it was, it was a challenging time in life um, for me, junior high and high school, trying to feel comfortable. So Then naturally, when I get into my 20s, um, I started uh, thinking about doing some fitness competitions, because I thought, gosh, that would be the ultimate way to get in great shape, hire a coach to get me into fitness competition shape. And then I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. I'd have somebody telling me what to eat, how much to exercise. And then I'd have a six-pack, and that's how I got involved in the fitness industry initially.
0: Now, when Um, when you say fitness competitions, is this one of those deals where you get up on stage and you flex your muscles and you've got big bulging muscles (laughs) that you didn't even know in places that you had a muscle to begin with? Right,
2: right. (laughs) <laughs> yes, totally. Um, I did. A, I did a division that was called. Uh, well, it was called the figure the figure division, um, which is a little bit more feminine. You don't flex on stage; you pose. You stand um, nicely with a bikini on, but you do have the tan, and you do want to stand in a way that's the most flattering for your um, for your physique. And then, um, and they eventually introduced a category called the bikini category, which is even more feminine, um, especially in the beginning. Now it's gotten a little bit more extreme. These girls are pretty big. They got some nice, well-rounded shoulders and and totally chiseled six packs, really low body fat percentages, um, and uh, so I did seven fitness competitions. But yes, yeah, so it's exactly what I'm talking about with the extreme orange, brownish tans and uh, and the whole whole deal. So, so I, it's uh,
0: all consuming. I, I think with that group, the layperson thinks that you know these these people, whether it be men or women competing in these competitions, all you're eating are you know chicken breasts and protein, protein, protein. Yep. When, when did you start to learn then about the plant-based diet?
2: Well, gosh, so I did. It, what's interesting is that in my early 20s, I was a vegetarian, and that was simply because um, my mom went vegetarian and my roommate, and they were sending me articles from PETA and, and whatnot, and I learned about the animal cruelty. Hmm. So that was the only reason why I went vegetarian, not for health necessarily. Um, I was still eating a very um, dairy-heavy diet, um, but then when I um, met my coach for the fitness indi- uh, fitness competitions, he wasn't super supportive of the vegetarian diet. And he just kind of rolled his eyes and said, all right, well, you're going to have to eat a lot of tofu.
0: Yeah. I'm to- <laughs>
2: <and> you- <laughs> just thinking, I'm like, wow, okay. So I learned to like tofu and then – um, and then I got really sick of it, and um, I think I had a, a, a time there where I stalled on my um, on my progress, and, and I remember feeling a lot of pressure from my coach to to start eating at least some chicken and fish. Um, so I did the fish first, um, and then had some food poisoning from fish. and this is all during the training. and so, if your food is everything. so if you're getting sick off of a meal and you don't have options to eat saltine crackers or anything like that, I mean, it's miserable. Oof. So um, I remember going to the Whole Foods and staring at the um, at the meat uh, area and just telling myself, okay, this is what I have to do, you know. And I had really fallen in love with the fitness industry at this point. Right. Um, and and um, this is just how it's got to be. There was there was no social media back then, no no um, vegan bodybuilders yet that I knew of. And um, and so I remember just standing there, and the butcher was just staring at me. He's like, "Have you made a decision yet?" I'm like, "Nope, I just need another minute." <laughs> and I was looking for the organic or the free range or whatever seemed like the the best choice. And and uh, and then from there for for several years um it was a heavy heavy protein um animal protein diet whey protein shakes chicken turkey um egg whites um that was that was my life um
0: how did your body feel was, at that point
2: you know um it's interesting it, it, a lot can happen when you just remove the processed food so initially when you when you um take out a lot of the processed snacky type Um, unhealthy foods you will feel better just naturally Um, and so then then you're adding in more vegetables with the competition diet and so you feel better there. Um, The biggest problem that I had and what I didn't understand was as soon as I was done with my competition and I stepped off stage if I tried to keep up with that diet but then just add in a little extra calories and have a little bit more balance to my life with a little extra treat here and there Um, and then back off on the workouts just so I wasn't doing three hour workouts each day. Just try and cut them back to normal amounts the weight just came right back on i mean flooding sometimes mm. and it was extremely frustrating because i was still working out like 5 days a week i was eating lots of protein the things that i thought were the best foods for me but yet i was feeling horrible and um and knew that the people around me could see me going from being super fit to gaining 20 pounds and um in a short amount of time and uh, 25 pounds even and and um it was humiliating for me because i was um i worked in the industry i was a fitness trainer i was um certified in sports nutrition and um i was supposed to be an expert on this um but unless i went to the extreme i couldn't stay that nice um sleek physique that yeah. i loved and enjoyed being um and so Something just didn't add up to me. I'm like, if these animal foods, um, this lean chicken and these egg whites are so good for me, then why in the world am am I gaining weight so easily? And why is my cholesterol still around 200?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And,
2: uh, and I remember my doctor even saying this is normal. This is this is a good number. And I, uh, in retrospect, I'm like, well, that's just because that's uh, compared to everybody else. That's <laughs> you know, it, it, all the anybody else on the standard American diet, 200 is probably a decent number. Um, uh, considering how bad they usually see it with some other people, right. but, um, now I know differently, but, uh, so I, I knew that there was, a, I needed to work on my relationship with food for one thing, because, um, I kept thinking, and oh, gosh, if I'm not extreme, then, and I'm not super strict with my food, then, um, then I'm always going to be unhappy with my weight, um, so I needed to get that out of my head. For one thing, I also needed felt like I always needed to be starving in order to look good, um, and that was another issue. And it just wasn't making sense. Um, and I was just having so many cravings for carbs, and I didn't understand how I could, why this was, and how I could get these to go away. Um, so after doing some re- more and more research um, about the plant based diet, I realized that um, um, that some of the the best sources of calories. Were plant-based ones; um, they're mm-hmm. the highest in fiber, which will keep you full. And you can eat a, a bu- an abundance of these foods, um, feel very satisfied. You won't have any deprivation um, when it comes to your, your serving sizes if you just really focus on the vegetables and then uh, make those your top priority. Um, and then I started thinking, well, gosh, but are all my hard-earned muscles going to wither away? Am I going to um, become weak if I go plant-based?
0: Of course, these are all
2: fears, <laughs> right? Yeah, these are all like the the common fears.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and then you know, I just kept kept up with the research and started dabbling in it, um, fixing the food for both me and my husband. And um, and he, as long as the food tastes good, he's happy. And he, if it's healthy, he's even happier. He really wants to look good too, so he was up for anything. And and um, um, I'm super lucky that way that I have such a supportive husband. He oh, yeah. um, he's great that way. But um, um, and then and then when it came to animals, I started thinking, gosh, I'm eating chicken for lunch and then chicken for dinner that's that's two chicken breasts equals you know, I'm I'm responsible for at least one chicken dying per day. And then in one year, that's 365 chickens. And then what's the math for five years, 10 years? And I just started being really uncomfortable with that idea. So it was just kind of like the snowball effect, all these realizations, and then starting to become more and more educated in um, plant based nutrition, um, and then eventually becoming certified in the topic. Um, it was a slow evolution. Um, where I I held on to some things like the dairy and the cheese were like the last things for me to let go of. And then now after I learned the process of how we get our dairy and what a cow needs to go through in order to get it and how the the baby cow is immediately taken away from the mama so we can have the milk, those were all such... Um, disgusting things for me to learn, but um, I'm perfectly happy to not have the dairy anymore. Um, oh, yeah. But it did take some time, you know. I think that people feel like it needs to be an overnight thing, and it, it if you take it at your own pace, sometimes that's the best way to go.
0: A lot of people even will have listeners and, and viewers write into the podcast, and, and they're like, you know, you had so-and-so on the show, and um, they're plant-based only, you know, four days out of the week, why aren't they plant-based seven days out of the week? And it's like, you have a valid point. I absolutely am 100% plant-based. I agree with you. But for a lot of people, you do have to baby step it down. Going overnight, you know, cold tofu, as we say around here, that doesn't necessarily (laughs) work for everyone. And, you know, there are, what, eight billion people in this world? We're not all cut from the same cloth. And so if, if it does take some time for some people to wean off of all of those animal products, then so be it. You know, right. the fact and, of the matter I'm is they're so, working toward getting there.
2: Absolutely. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Um, I, I think that a lot of people, they feel like it has to be this perfection. And I have to say, um, I come from about 50% of my family now that, that gets together for family um, holidays and whatnot are 16 people, our core group, about Fifty percent of us now are vegan or vegetarian, which is a huge difference from several years ago. But it's been this slow <laughs> um, uh, uh, crossover for eat, you know, some of the members of the family, and um, um, and so there's there's a pressure um, from the other fifty percent to have the meat and whatnot, and um, and the and the normal foods in quotes for especially for Christmas and the big holidays. Oh, of and, course, um, yeah. And and my my uncle was one of those people. And funny enough, I mean, he would make jokes to me and my mom, and um, uh, about the vegan and the vegetarianism, and how he he would announce that he was going to have his big piece of meat. Like he just wanted to get it out there and address the elephant (laughs) in the room, or whatever. I don't know what the deal was. We didn't, you know. But um, uh, he sent me a text just randomly in November saying, "All right, I'm giving this vegan lifestyle a try," and I almost fell out of my chair i couldn't believe it. it was the best gift ever um come to find out that he had been taken to a seminar with um a friend an old friend from school um that he grew up with uh, who she was a vegan and um it was a a seventh uh, day adventist um mm-hmm. um uh, uh, event that he went to and he just he the speakers there really got to him and so when i saw him um Uh, a couple days later for a family get-together, he said, that's it, I'm all in, 100%, I'm not turning back, but I just told him, I said, okay, every meal that you can be plant-based, do plant-based, great, fantastic, but don't put an extreme pressure on yourself if you can't be perfect, especially in the beginning, and this is just coming from somebody who has seen it, been there, done that. Um he's like no 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 I'm all in once I make a decision I'm 100% and there's some people that are like that that's great yep. but then I see him the next family gathering a month later and he's like all right well um I'm having salmon once a week I just had to confess that to you <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise I'm perfectly vegan plant based I said that's fantastic you know it's it, it, you're doing a lot of good for your health for the planet with all those other meals throughout the week that are vegan and plant-based. I applaud you. So um, I think that's a great way to think about it if that is what works for you. Yeah. Um, and then stay open to maybe dropping the fish someday if that feels right.
0: Absolutely. And, and that's the hope, you know, is that eventually they yeah. will get to that 100% point, you know. Um, right. This is just me speaking, you know. I'm not speaking for the Physicians Committee here, but, you know, I think it's important that we not have an elitist attitude toward these things where it has to be all or nothing. And you feel superior to somebody else because, you know, they do eat that salmon one day of week. Nobody's better than anybody else. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care what you eat or what your race is. Like we're equal. You know, so like that's that's the way it is. We can't have this elitist mentality because if you do and and, and you do take that kind of hostile approach when it comes to food, you're actually going to wind up turning a lot of people off to the diet who otherwise would, you know, be interested in exploring it, you know,
2: right. That's exactly true. It's it's 100% correct. And I'm, I'm very happy to hear you say that.
0: You <laughs> want to be part of a of a community that will welcome you. Nobody wants to join a hostile group. Like what what fun is that? Like I don't want to go eat dinner with a bunch of jerks. No way. Like right. you, you, you want to have, you know, nice friendly people in your life.
2: Right? And and you know, honestly, a lot of people that um, don't go the plant-based route or the vegan route, they just don't know what we know necessarily yet um and they you know, for my uncle, perhaps he doesn't realize the problem with overfishing and, uh, you know, whatever sure. the, the the bad parts about eating fish. But right now he's found a way to create a sense of balance for himself that works. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about how many meals you have in a week um, at 21-ish. Um, mm-hmm. And if only one of those is fish, then you have 20 meals. That's fantastic that are plant-based and vegan. So, um, I mean, it's it's. It, but but it ultimately, if you think about it okay, they haven't been surrounded by people who have um who have um communicated with them the reasons why um we eat this way, and um a lot of um, vegan um, vegans unfortunately can get really really passionate, and so the way that they um communicate the reasons can come off as hostile sure um and so um I mean I think that we that's that's truly my goal um with with my website I create recipes to make it all extremely approachable so that things are very, very simple and it looks delicious. I rarely use the word vegan. Um, um, Sometimes I'll use it in just the description or it ultimately comes down to good, healthy food that looks beautiful and that people are willing to to give a try. Um, There you go. That's my goal. There you go.
0: Vegan's just a shorter word but I like the way that you you said that a lot better good healthy food that looks good and people want to try um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to get back to to when you made the switch to the plant-based diet so when we were talking and you were still eating a lot of those um, high protein uh, meat foods uh, you said that your body really wasn't feeling all that great how quickly did you start to feel better once you adopted that plant-based diet, once you started to wean yourself off of the, the animal products?
2: Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, I, it, it's interesting. Immediately, immediately the weight started coming off, effortlessly. I was I was having bigger meals than normal. Um, the goal was to really have at least half my plate be um, vegetables um, uh, high fiber vegetables and then um, the other half either be beans or a grain or a combination or um, and that was that was truly my the very first thing that I focused on and then to just limit myself to just one small treat a day and then have an occasional bigger treat, whether it be like a chocolate chip cookie, a vegan chocolate chip cookie, some dark chocolate, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't
2: want any more extremes. And so that was just my goal to have to have the meals, fruit, vegetable based um, with the starches and the beans sprinkled throughout. Um, and that really, really worked. And I didn't think about it as a big project or I just took it one meal at a time. This is this is not like a strict 30-day plan. This is not like um, um, I get any kind of cleanse, nothing like that. I just said that I'm going to just do the best I can for every single meal and see what happens. And not only did the weight start dropping off, it was like one pound a week um, for me, which is a, a pretty steady pace. Sure. Um But... The muscles didn't go away and in fact I had more strength in the gym Um, I was more motivated Um, the definition in my arms is better than it ever was Um, it's it's really I mean I'm blown away and I was just willing to take the chance to see what would happen Um, truly when it comes to putting on muscle um, for anybody out there who wants to um, look better have a little bit more a better shape of for their body and get in the gym and lift some weights if your goal is to put on muscle, there's two things you need to, to focus on, which is to have a surplus of calories. It doesn't matter what kind of calories really that they are, but of course, if they're a high-quality calorie, then that's even better. Um, and then, um, And then to tell your body that you need extra muscle by lifting weights. And so you're signaling um, a, a stress signal to the body. Um, hey, this is what our body is going through. We're we're doing these exercises, so in order to survive, we better put on more muscle. That's what we're telling our body. So um, that's what happens there. And um, and it, it, you know the protein thing it has been so blown. I mean, I used to be one of those people in the fitness industry that'd be like, yes, 50% of your calories have to be protein. 60% um, percent even um at times and um i think now like i'm probably hovering around like 15%. There's there's always like the exception to the rule here and there for people who are heavy in the fitness industry might um, go a little bit more um or if you're um you know, you have certain scenarios, health um, issues, um, where you're recommended to have slightly more, but really 15%, 20%. You really don't need to do any more than that. Uh, it's crazy to think back at how much I used to obsess over protein, and now I obsess over fiber. <laughs> 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 how can I get as much fiber in my body as
0: possible? That's funny. Meal, so. Like, vegans... They heart fiber so much. I mean, it just <laughs> I mean, really, if if we could marry one nutrient, it would probably be fiber. I mean, that's right? that just seems to be the key to it all is fiber. Um, yeah, and
2: I dream of a day that that's that's the the new obsession instead of protein. Um, that 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 what everybody talks about it's it's the fiber instead of the protein i think we'll get there one day
0: let's print out some t-shirts and make it happen um right <laughs> <laughs> i want to ask you a little bit about uh your your house because your husband is very well known a uh, famous ventriloquist jeff dunham um right? was he i'm assuming he wasn't always vegan is he vegan now like talk to me what's what's the dynamic there
2: so um, he's he's a Texas boy. He grew up in Dallas, and um, his favorite food growing up was chicken fried steak. He mm-hmm. loved it all. I mean, he loved like the overcooked green beans <laughs> 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 that, that turned like a like an army green color. Oh yeah, oh no, well. And um, yeah, so he loved all of that. Um, the comfort food, the biscuits and gravy. Um, but early on, um, in his, um, I think probably because he was in the spotlight, he did um, start to get very concerned with um, his health. So he would—he um, was one of those people that felt like as long as he got the workouts in, he could kind of eat whatever he wanted. Or there's a little bit more flexibility. He's truly a food lover, and um, traveling on the road—it um, was—it was sort of that comfort when he was away um, yeah. from his family, or um, was to, and then and of course being all over the country, seeing what the local fare is. Mm-hmm. Um, but but ultimately, what happens with when with food is that you start to weigh the good with the bad, and and the bad starts to outweigh some of the, the, the good of those, enjoying those foods, you know, with the um, looking unfit and feeling unfit. And, um, and uh, so he, he got interested in, in, in health um, as uh, the years went on into his 40s, um, 30s and 40s. And, um, and then when we met, um, he, he loved the fact that I worked in fitness and nutrition and, um, and was willing to eat whatever I said as long as he could have the occasional treat. <laughs> so, that treat usually is one of my vegan cookies he's really he, he's a big fan of those um but every once in a while maybe like once a year twice a year he'll have um a, a, some sort of piece of meat and um and he's he he feels um uh, usually pretty bad about it cuz he knows I'm sitting there with him um but it's if if that's the if that's the frequency that's not bad at all i think as we just discussed and and um and uh, he keeps it as a he, – he treats it like it's a very special treat um, and that it's a rare thing that he enjoys. But, um, I, hey, I say as long as he's on board the majority of the time, 99% of the time, then I'm I'm super happy with that. I can't complain.
0: So if <laughs> – I'm just wondering how he feels physically afterward. Um...
2: Oh, yeah. He, he – um... <laughs> not great Um, it it can it varies it really depends on how and what exactly it is if it was something that was deep fried then he's he's pretty uncomfortable usually Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes it can be a long night (laughs) yeah He's not, it was indigestion and whatnot, but um, uh, but if it's something that was just grilled or whatever, then he usually has an easier time with it. And, of course, it depends on what's on the side. If there's something fried on the side, then he won't feel great either. Um, it's those heavier foods that we have. Uh, he has a harder time with it. Yeah, I'm just thinking um, that
0: chicken fried steak would tear him up. Terremot. Oh,
2: right. When he's eating... I mean, honestly, our, our basic lunch these days, we have beans, we have um, vegetables, and we have either corn tortillas or, um, like, some brown rice or quinoa. We just keep things very, very simple and basic, mainly because we're so busy. I'm, right. I, you know, I make big batches of this stuff and just keep it super simple. Um, just throw it all in a bowl and, and um, put some, like, balsamic glaze over the top and call it a day, and that's sure. a great lunch. So then, of course, when he has... Um, um, something like that. Yeah, it's usually pretty rough.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. uh,
0: but then but, but then you nurse them back to health, I'm sure.
2: Yes, the next day <laughs> we're back to it, um, back to the usual routine. It really does help, I think, to kind of stick to some of the same foods every day because it just keeps it simple. Um, we eat soup and salad for dinner every night. We put, put some beans on the salad. Um, mm-hmm. If we're super hungry, we'll add a piece of toast or something like that. Um, throw some avocado on the salad if we feel like it. And it's, it's usually a ton of food. It really fills up our stomachs, but it's, it's um, all nutrition, high, high fiber, high nutrient, high water content food, and that's why it's so filling. Yeah, um, Yeah. so we don't feel like we're missing out at all, and that's what keeps us feeling our best, looking our best, and so that's, of course, more motivating to stick to it.
0: Isn't that funny how your body kind of thrives on that sort of routine? Um, You know, really with anything, but especially in terms of what it is that it's being fueled with. Um, You know, if if you come with that wild card, you know, that once a year twice a year wild card, your body right. kind of spazzes out because it gets oh, yeah, it gets used shock. to you know <laughs> being fueled with uh with good gasoline as, as if it oh, were yeah. a car you know
2: yes absolutely it's it's so true and um it what's also interesting is that I've, I've met a lot of people they they just thought gosh i just can't get away from the cake i can't get away from you know some of these foods and and it's it, it, what's um What's interesting is that our taste buds actually change. Mm -hmm. So when you start to wean off of those foods, even like the high-oil foods um, that are plant-based or vegan, if we can kind of um, uh, limit the oil and process stuff out of our diets as most as possible, even if they are vegan, your taste buds will change and so that you really do enjoy those salads even more, the apples even more. They become super crunchy and sweet and satisfying, whereas before they were kind of like this, afterthought um, yeah it, it wasn't the top priority and now you crave them and salad I mean if I don't have a salad every day I, I feel like I'm missing something it just it I, I love it so much and so I have a salad usually with every um, dinner dinners always includes a salad and so when I go to a restaurant I hardly ever order an entree it's always kind of piecing together salad with some sides yeah and um, that's that's it <laughs> unless you're in a vegetarian or vegan restaurant so, and I never leave hungry ever. I'm always stuffed. Oh yeah. Um,
0: now, so. what is your go-to salad? If you're making it at home, what's your favorite?
2: So I call it my rainbow chop salad. So um, I start with two types of lettuce. I'll usually do some spinach and then either romaine or bib lettuce. It's kind of it's a nice combo of crunchy with a little bit of a softer spinach. Um, I throw together a vinaigrette with um, I do maple syrup. Um, apple cider vinegar, Dijon mustard, and I shake it in a mason jar. I have that recipe on my website. It's called my um, year-round Christmas dressing. (laughs) Sometimes I'll add some cinnamon to it. It tastes like Christmas. And and then for toppings, I do um, uh, chopped cherry tomatoes, um, those little mini sweet peppers, I'll chop those up, um, cucumber, and then you have to throw in some fruit. So I'll do some apple, um, and then I'll switch it up for the seasons. Right now plums are in season, so I'll do some plum. Um, you got to do some chopped nuts. Sometimes I'll do the, the sweetened nuts just because it adds a little extra something, and mm-hmm. I'll just keep it to a minimum, a small handful or something. Um, yeah. And then some dried cranberries. Sometimes I'll do raisins instead. Um, to add some body to the salad, um, sometimes I'll do some quinoa, I'll do a, a, a spoonful or two of some quinoa and stir that in, and it sticks to all the leaves and makes it all so much more hearty. Uh, every now and then, I'll throw in some beans. I'll do garbanzo beans or some um, some black beans, uh, things like that. If I'm super hungry, I'll throw some avocado on there, or even like a veggie burger. I'll put it right on top. Um, but that's usually it.
0: Man, that's yeah. a that's a that's a kitchen sink kind of a salad. There's a lot going on there, but oh uh, yeah, but I, it sounds I, amazing.
2: I, oh, thanks. Yeah, I take. i I say okay i just have to take 20 minutes a day to make my salad it's totally worth it (laughs) if i need to save time i buy some lettuce that's already chopped um and even some um you know if you can find some apple slices that are already sliced if whatever saves you time and makes it feel more approachable to you and then um and if i i tell myself that could be the most valuable 20 minutes of my day because knowing that my dinner is ready to go then that's a really <laughs> it's a big stress reliever because then all i have to worry about is my kids getting yeah. their food put together and um sometimes i'll just chop up a lot of the same ingredients like the tomatoes and the apple um that i'm putting on my salad and i put it aside for them and they love it
0: that's amazing so, what about the yeah. soups so you say you have soup and salad uh, every night so what what's your go-to soup
2: right now i'm in love with this um Carrot and cabbage soup. I have a recipe for it on my website. It's got a lot of really chunky vegetables, the carrots, um, some cabbage, some um, canned diced tomatoes. It's really savory and satisfying, really light, um, but really filling. And then you throw some parsley in there to add a little pop of green. Um, really minimal ingredients. Um, I also love pureed soups. I will do. Um, I have this super green soup on my website, too. It's It's basically broccoli and uh, a little bit of onion and some spinach, um, blended with some, um, I think it's garlic and onion, um, powder. I'm, I'm really big on using the garlic and onion powders for shortcuts because you can deliver some really nice, um, flavor with, um, just a couple little spoonfuls. Um, and it saves you a little bit of time on the chopping of the onion and the garlic. Um, but the fresh stuff is great too. So, so, um, there's some options out there. Those are my two favorites, but I'll mix it up. I'll do like a butternut squash soup if, if it's in season, um, things like that. And if um, if I go to a restaurant and they have a vegetarian minestrone soup, I'm super happy <laughs> doing backflips and and I just ask for. I never try and skimp on that. I always ask for the bowl. Whenever I'm in a restaurant and you have a choice of doing the, the half salad or the full, I always do the full. For I sure. never I want that restriction anymore. I never ask for dressing on the side anymore. I have the vinaigrette mixed in. You know, as long as you can make it um work for you and, and it, it's as far as um flavor, if it's a satisfying flavor, um I don't worry about um trying to restrict myself like that anymore. Back in my competition days it was always dressing on the side. And now I say, Hey, as long as there's no cream in that dressing, then <laughs> then that's great um and then i do my own oil free dressings at home um and then just try and go light on the dressing if it's an oil one uh, when i'm out in restaurants
0: now you've mentioned your website a number of times it's audreydunham.com, dunham d-u-n-h-a-m.com uh you have just everything on there including a ton of those recipes that that you were talking about do you have a favorite that's up there
2: Oh, boy. It's like favorite, picking my favorite kid. I know. Um, <laughs> Simple
0: question, yet the most difficult you're going to be asked in this entire interview.
2: Oh, man. I, I think right now one of the – I have two recipes I've been making a lot lately, so they're, they're at the forefront of my mind. I have um, a Southwest Black Bean Burger that's so easy to make. Um, I have that one on there. I. Uh, as I said before my goal is to keep them super simple and approachable these recipes with ingredients that can be, can be found in just about every grocery store mm-hmm. um, and then the other one is a 15 minute Asian stir fry um, loaded with flavor simple ingredients really easy to make. Um those are my two favorites and then um I love I have a sweet tooth so I love every dessert I have on my website too. <laughs> They're yes. all equal.
0: Really cool. <laughs> you you you've mentioned <laughs> vegan cookies that has been kind of a, a theme throughout and you actually uh you have a vegan cookie kit is that is that correct?
2: Yeah, so it's it's called Peanut's Bake Shop. Um it's named after one of my husband's favorite characters peanut. Uh, it's it's my way of uh, kind of expanding on the family business, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's my way of also um, introducing um, vegan cookies to the world, showing how delicious they can be. And if that's somebody's very first taste of something vegan and they're blown away by it and they're more willing to try more vegan food, then all the better. Uh, so these are um, uh, vegan, as I said, but they're also gluten-free and um so there's some garbanzo bean flour in them, oat flour, there's even some ground flaxseed in, in the mixes, but you would never know it. It is not necessarily what I would consider a healthy type cookie. It's not that cliff bar type of feel necessarily. Right. Um it's it it's an indulgent treat. It's got a lot of chocolate. Um there's some sugar in there and it and it it's really satisfying so you don't feel like you're missing out whatsoever. Um I um I have one flavor that's out now. It's on back order. It's the original chocolate chunk, and then the next flavor, which is a midnight chocolate chunk. And I have plans for many other products this year, lots of things that are happening. I'm actually going in to do some cookie testing in a, um, in a co-packing facility tomorrow um, with, um, with the goal of having a pre-baked packaged cookie available for people, um, for those that don't like to bake.
0: Let so me, lots um, of great things happening. Let me ask you what does midnight chocolate taste like? I was unaware that chocolate tasted different depending on the time of day
2: <laughs> so midnight um, refers to the color of the cookie and it's like this jet black dark chocolate cookie with chocolate chunks in it mm. um, so it's it's got the chocolate um, rich chocolate base um, versus a typical cookie, a chocolate chip cookie that you could see. Hmm. So it, it, the, the name is really appropriate once you see it. I'll be sure to send you some as soon as we have some in stock so you can check it out for yourself. And, uh, uh, yeah, I was just thinking,
0: <laughs> you know, you, you would be my wife's best friend uh, because she, oh. she loves her some cookies. Let me tell you what.
2: I will definitely send you some. You'll be the first people.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, and if, if you ever make it to the uh, D.C. area, um, she's she's on TV uh, in this market, so uh, I'm sure that uh, it'd be no problem to do a taste test on the show as well.
2: Oh, fantastic. I love that area <laughs> of the country. I'd be happy to. Yeah.
0: Um, so AudreyDunham.com, that's the place uh, where you can get all of those wonderful recipes. I assume that they can find those cookie kits there as well?
2: That's correct, in the shop section. And then anybody who goes to my husband's live shows, um, they should be available at the merchandise stands as well.
0: Get out of town. He's taking yeah. the cookie kits with him.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 um, it's interesting during the summer because of the heat, um, which only inspires me to, to next create a cookie that doesn't contain chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they can go on the road in the summer. Um, it all just varies. It depends. But for the most part, if the weather allows them, they will be there.
0: All right. And uh, obviously, you're on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Audrey Dunham. Very easily done. I like that. And uh, you have just a phenomenal YouTube channel on there. So you've got your your recipe videos on there. You've got your kitchen tips. Um, I I assume there's some fitness stuff on there as well? You
2: know, with the YouTube channel, I... I kept it more kitchen central so but there are some um, I did some seminars about a year ago on plant-based nutrition so you'll find some clips of the seminar um, just all all broken up by category and theme um, so that it's just really short um, two to six minute videos giving loads of information on nutrition and plant-based eating um, as well as the um the recipes and um i have a re- uh, also a video on the best way to chop an onion the best way to chop a watermelon <laughs> so just some like easy fun little things here and there and then sure. just makes a cameo appearance here and there he'll be my taste tester which is always fun and then the website you do find some more fitness stuff Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, Audrey, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us today. Uh, AudreyDunham.com, I'll tell you this much, we're definitely going to have you back on because I feel like you and I could talk about so much more stuff. I feel like we just scratched the surface. So there's a lot left unsaid, so let's make sure it all gets out there.
2: Thank you so much, and you know what? I should mention one thing. There was one other Audrey Dunham out there who was quicker than me and nabbed um, the handles Audrey Dunham. So it's actually Audrey E Dunham. Um, that was that was I had to throw in my middle initial there for Instagram and Twitter. So that's where you'll find me.
0: Oh well, forgive me. I'm not wearing my glasses. You are absolutely <laughs> no, correct. No,
2: I snuck that E in there. You so did. Yes.
0: You did. And here I thought maybe that was a typo on my part. Um, but okay, that's that's cool. Audrey E Dunham. Don't worry about it. Chuck Carroll was taken as well. So it happens to the back. (laughs) So, uh, all right, AudreyDunham.com, Audrey E. Dunham on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, uh, that wonderful YouTube channel as well. Thank you so much for coming on. You are awesome.
2: Oh, it was truly a pleasure. I would love to come back anytime. Thank you so much, Chuck.
0: What a cool woman, huh? Audrey Dunham. I was talking with some of my coworkers around the office and telling them about how Audrey still felt sick when she was a fitness competitor, even though, even though she was eating what she thought was a healthy diet. Interesting story, huh? And it's one that I think that a lot of athletes struggle with. Nobody wants to be sick, but had it not been for her feeling sick, she would never have discovered the plant-based diet. And odds are she wouldn't be raising her kids on one either. But now they all have the opportunity to be an example. The kids have the opportunity to be an example for their classmates, some of whom sadly will be obese. And maybe some other class moms will reach out to Audrey and ask about it too. They have the information and now they can pass it on. And that's what I encourage you to do as well. Share the show with a friend or a family member. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram or Twitter so that you can pass along what you have learned. That's what the exam room is about. It's about getting this information out there to those who need it the most. And if you haven't already done so, please go ahead also and give a couple of follows on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Chuck Carroll, WLC on both. That's Carroll with two R's, two L's in the WLC, standing for Weight Loss Champion. And the show is on Twitter at PCRM and on Instagram at Physicians Committee, just spelled out. Lots of good news and information and inspiration on there. All things to get you motivated, feeling good, and feeling informed. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, something that you heard about on this show or any of our past episodes, maybe you just have a random question. Hit us up using the hashtag exam room podcast. And hey, by the way, we're also on Facebook. So send us a message there as well. Last thing, I also want to extend an invitation to you. Yes, you, personally, I want to extend that invitation to you to come meet Dr. Neil Barnard and Maggie Neola and Dr. Robert Osfeld and Dr. Dean Ornish and our own Fiber Queen, Lee Crosby, all of them and more than a dozen other movers and shakers in the plant-based medical community. want you to come see us at the upcoming International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. That conference being held right here in Washington, D.C. at the beautiful Grand Hyatt Hotel. So mark your calendars, July 26th and 27th. It's a virtual who's who of plant-based doctors and researchers all going to be there sharing the most recent findings on preventative medicine. Taking a closer look at the link between the rising rates of obesity and disease and what's on our plate. We're going to be talking about not just treating cancer and treating heart disease, but lowering the risk of developing it in the first place and perhaps even reversing it. And I'm going to be taping episodes of the exam room live at that conference as well. It would be so great to meet you. It'd be so great if you were there. but there are only a few seats left, and the time to get your tickets is running out. So head on over to PCRm.org/icNM and reserve your seat today. And by the bye. As I record this, just yesterday, a group of us went down to that hotel, met with the chef who's going to be preparing the food for those days, and I'm telling you, it is out of this world. It is out of this world. I had never had wood-smoked white asparagus before, but OMG, is it good. We got to sample two types of lasagna and the spinach powerhouse salad that you're going to be served up is unlike any salad you have ever had before. So simple, yet so delicious. It's out of this world. And oh, by the way, rumor has it, there is going to be a quiche for breakfast, a plant-based quiche that will knock your socks off. Had a chance to meet with Chef Darren and his staff down there at the Grand Hyatt yesterday. And man, that food is off the charts good. And if that's not enough to draw you in, I don't know what will. So July 26th and 27th with a special preview day on July 25th. Head over to pcrm.org ICNM to get your tickets today. That's going to do it for us this week. So let's work together to lower the rates of childhood obesity so that this is not the first generation in ages that won't live as long as their parents. This is something that we can all pitch in to help correct my thanks again to dietitian maggie neola and to audrey dunham for coming on the show today and so for everyone here at the physicians committee i am the weight loss champion chuck carroll thank you so much for listening and remember keep it plant-based